Well, hey, and welcome to episode 42 of the Gospel for Everyone podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Krismer, and we're so glad you're here. Well, on today's episode, Jason, Josh, and I sit down and we discuss some of the greatest hits from the book of Romans that have impacted us throughout the course of this series. And we also discuss the lengths that Paul was willing to go in order to share the gospel. As always, if you've not yet listened to the message from Sunday, I do encourage you to pause this episode now, go back and do so before continuing on as it's going to help this conversation make much more sense to you. Well, without further ado, I hope you enjoy this episode. Hey guys, good morning. Good morning. Happy Monday. How are we feeling after a weekend? It was a bit of a long day yesterday. We had something in the evening. It was a, it was a little long. It's okay. I'm a little tired. Sunday's I did, a work day. Yeah, it is. I did end up getting to watch the end of that basketball game Josh suggested. And I was very happy that I did. Quite it was good. Day. It was a good end. It was a good ending. Oh, did you record we, We're it? not supposed to banter on sports, but... <laughs> yeah, no, apparently, I, I did have that. Somebody was like, hey, you, know, you talk about sports, I just check out. And I'm like... <laughs> That's fine. I can talk about... We talk about cooking and grilling yeah. and baking. I feel like we're well-rounded. Like, what... I watched two-thirds to- of the game and I shut it off because I was too tired. Oh. I did fall asleep and then I woke up in the fourth quarter and I was like, wait, what happens? So here's the thing. We talk about sports way more off the podcast than we do on the podcast. Oh, 100%. So we actually actively try to go, we cannot talk about sports on the podcast. And here we are failing right now. Here we are failing. It's, man, it's playoff bat. It's, yeah, we're in the good time. It's a cultural phenomenon. Uh, We don't have to get into it. Uh, let's talk about another cultural phenomenon really quick that Jason just brought up. Uh, apparently, Jason's a Swifty. Josh, <laughs> did you know Jason's a Swifty? That's a little surprising. Actually, I do like, I I probably got three of her albums on my phone. That's hey, so cool. True. Before we get into this, I saw Taylor Swift uh, probably 2006. So she was the opening act, like the opening, opening act of a Brad Paisley tour mm-hmm. uh, that Back I went to. Country. And there was like, She's like the the opening act is like four songs, and I remember our group was like, "Oh, she's gonna be good." Yeah, like literally, that was like our thought, and here she is again. We kind of got there a little late, but I heard just enough of her. Enough of her, I was like, "Oh, she was like 15, 16. I was like, "Oh, that's yeah. she's gonna do something," and here she is. I'm mostly impressed with her songwriting skills. Like she can tell a story in a song, and I I. It's time to grow up, though, man. I, I, can't, I don't care about you and your boyfriends anymore, T, <laughs> T. Swift. Like, pick a better one. Like, this is on you at this point. Like, you got Well, there was a stretch days. there. She was in a relationship for, like, six years. So, Josh, for, like, the last six years, that's not been uh, much of the content of her songs. I don't know, man. Re- in recent history, that has changed. So even my wife was like, I can't hear her talking about... Uh, uh, she just picked some bad ones for a while. So, ladies, oh, yeah. we want to talk about relationships? No, we Let's don't talk about do relationship drama. <laughs> that's not where we're going with this. The cultural phenomenon piece is this new concert tour that she's doing right now that's just blowing up the world. Literally, Chandler changed their name for a day. Did you hear that? What? Yeah. The city of Chandler? The city of Chandler. Like, Google it up. They changed their name. For the concert, when she, because she opened the tour down in 
I think it was Chandler. Or was it Glendale? One of them. She had but, to be Glendale. It had Glendale. to have been. So they changed the name of the city for a day. No. We have fact checkers on it right now. So as we speak. Uh, they Swi- it Swift City. Swift City. They Let's changed go. it. So there's actually this really funny thing going on with this whole Eras tour, and we'll we maybe dig into it a little bit. But um, the mayors of these cities that are trying to get her to go there on this mini, because what she's doing is it's like a mini residency. So it's like Vegas. People set up a residency for months in Vegas, and they just do the same show night after night. Yep. She she's taking that and she's going city to city for five or six nights in a row and just doing the same set with a small variant. She'll do like a couple of acoustic songs and she'll just pick random songs each night to mix it up a little bit. But it's really genius because it's way more cost effective than going to a different city every night. And they've got to be making an incredible amount of money on the tour. So all of these mayors for all of these different cities are like bending over backwards, doing crazy things like changing the name of the city for a day to Swift City, apparently. Because the hotel revenue and the food revenue would be astronomical. Because odds are, if you're like within a five mile or 500 mile, a thousand mile radius, you drive to that. Yeah. Especially well, where, if you were like, yeah. I just got to get there by Wednesday. I'll leave Monday. I'll stay in the city two days. Whatever. I've got a friend in Southern California that went to Chicago. Like she flew to Chicago to go see her at Soldier Field. Like I think that was the most recent five or six day stretch that she's been at. And she flew straight to Chicago. So what prompted this was this morning I saw an article that people are going to this Taylor Swift concert, adults, and they're, you know, 20 to 40 year olds mostly and they're wearing adult diapers at the show so that they don't miss any of the concert so they're just gonna wet themselves in the middle of the concert so they don't have to go to the bathroom and i thought that seems a little excessive that's like i don't know any concert that i'd go to that i'd want to pee in my pants so as not to miss the concert. I don't know who that would be, but there are people who are doing this. Well, to be fair, we were talking earlier, she's doing like 44 or 45 songs a night. So it's like a three and a half hour long show, which if you drink a lot of water, Jason, like Josh and I do, (laughs) I don't know. There it is. That's true. And she did it in the rain that one time. They just kept rolling. Like they were like just getting drenched. Yeah. And I'm like, man. I did one concert out at Cincinnati Riverbend in the rain. It was me and a buddy. It was his, it may have been his 21st birthday, but it was Journey, Sticks, and Def Leppard. Wow. That's even, oh, that's dope, before bro. you. It was way before me, but I grew up in that mix of like, well, I know 80s music anyways for all you 80s folks. And there were. That's there, classic rock, It right? was like. Uh, I don't know if we're going to call that classic, right? It's classic 80s is what it is. Anyway, so there was like a group of ladies over here, and it kind of like started raining, but they were probably, I mean, I was mid-20s. They were late 30s or early 30s, mid-30s, and they were all having a great time. And me and my buddy, like it starts raining, and we were like, how committed are we? Like, you want to like go st- like stand under the awning? Like, what are we going to do here? Like, it wasn't enough that I was like, that's good. But it was like 20 bucks tickets. I was like, ah, I'd do it again, you know. But these tickets are not $20. No. I saw a tweet that somebody was like, economy in trouble. Other person, Taylor Swift tickets for sale for 40 grand. Yeah. yeah. For one ticket. Yeah. Who's paying 40 
who has forty grand to buy a Taylor Swift ticket? The Swifties are a cult, and I'm sure we have a few on our podcast. We'd love to hear from you. It yeah, is, it is forty grand. Yeah, send us an email at taylorswift at quadcity.church <laughs> and we will respond immediately. And I got a ticket for you. I also got some uh, beachfront property in Arizona. Uh, I was just listening to some George Strait the other day. Oh, geez. Anyway, so all of you Swifties out there, you're crazy. And I don't know who I would pee my pants for in a concert. I don't know who that would be. There's no one on my list. I don't like live music that much. So, really? Yeah. Uh, you just do it so much. You get so much. Like in, in when I was younger, I'd go to shows every weekend. So it was like you kind of get it gets a little old. And then sometimes listening to a MP3 in your car just sounds a bit better, anyways. So I'd rather just go do that. So we need to talk about we've t- we've we've played around with this idea. We don't have time today. So maybe the next banter is concerts we have been to. Yeah, I think fun. we've been to a few, and I know there's probably some really great ones that our listeners have been to. That stretch. I mean, do you think we got people who've been to Woodstock on our? Ooh. Oh, here's the problem with Woodstock. I mean, there like was five. There was a lot people, of problem. No, prob- there's like five million. There was a study done. There was like five million people who claimed to be there, and there was really only like two hundred thousand people there. That's yeah. still a lot. Well, it's a lot, but yeah, I mean, like just the whole traveling. generation says, "Oh, I was there. I was there." There was a whole generation that said they were there, and they were lying because not all of them could be there. It's I, just, I bet we've got the math. Hey, work. you remember Ronnie Ping? Uh huh. From our, so he like hitchhiked across the country during that time. It was fascinating stories. I think he may have went. We'll have to fact check it. Y'all don't know, but this guy like now is like super straight laced, just a good guy, was an elder at mine and Jason's home church. And when he told me he hitchhiked across the country, I was like, huh. I think there was a lot of people dropping acid and they thought they were there when really they were just <laughs> they were just face down in a ditch oh. and somebody heard turned the radio on. And I they don't heard know. Jimmy. They that's it. <laughs> oh. So yeah, it. maybe next time uh, we talk concert. Yeah, right. we could yeah. we could do that next week. Um hey, well let's dive in. Josh alluded to uh we, we want to get right to the content here today. Um, so this past weekend, we were in uh, the very end of what is the body of the book of Romans. So Romans chapter 15, we're verse 14 to 33, closing out chapter 15. Um, and it was a lot of fun. We had uh, really just kind of the the greatest hits in music terms of the book of Romans, where Paul just... That was a great tie-in, Brendan. That was impressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're uh, welcome. That was really good. Um, <laughs> so, you know... It's this reminder that Jason, you had mentioned a couple of weeks ago that most of ministry is just reminding. And I think anyone that's, uh, you know, been in vocational ministry especially knows that. And really, you know, you attend church long enough and you realize we do hit on a lot of the same things kind of over and over again because, well, that's what scripture does. Like there's these really, really important through lines all throughout scripture. And if we're just studying the Bible and exegeting the Bible, then we're going to hit on those a bunch. So, that's what we did this past Sunday. So uh, we had a good time doing that. I know we want to get to some things that didn't quite make that list, but then we also want to get to the back end of chapter 15, where ta- Paul talks about uh, a little bit of his you know, future missionary journey and, and what that looks like out of the book of Acts. So let's start, though, with, you know, we had a list of, did it turn into seven things? 
Six or seven. I can't remember. Something like that. Seven or eight. But then Josh came with a list of like another 35 things that he said, <laughs> hey, I think all of these things need to make the sermon. No, that's not what he said. But uh, just really important through lines throughout the book of Romans. So Josh, give us some highlights as to th- other things that could have made this list. Yeah. Well, look, before he jumps in, let me just set it up. Like the whole concept was, okay, he says, I'm just reminding you. The reason I wrote this is to remind you. And so as you mentioned, my goal was just to pick three or four or five of the biggest, most important reminders. And then, as as you mentioned, Josh comes with a list of about 20. So uh, I'd love to hear from, if you bump into us, before we jump into it, which one of them did you guys was the best, most important reminder to you? If you had to just oh, pull yeah. out one or two for... People, what is like when you think about the value of the gospel that Paul's writing to the Romans? I'd love to hear for you guys. What would you put on the top of the list? What are the most important pieces? Yeah, uh, I, I've got two of them. The one was right the first, you know, ten weeks of the Book of Romans, which is uh, you are far worse than you ever thought you were. Yeah, um, right. Which is I love that Keller quote. We talked about, you know, yeah. maybe mentioning that. Which I, I don't have the quote in front of me, but it's essentially. Um, you know, until you know how depraved you are, you can't really fully experience the goodness of the gospel. Like until you know how bad you are or something about the gospel is you realizing you're worse than you ever were, which makes you realize that the gospel is better than you ever thought it could be sort of thing. So we can maybe pull up that quote and and share that if we've got the time. But uh, I think that piece was super important. And then I do have maybe a little bit of recency bias but culturally, I thought the you know three weeks prior to this last one, where really Paul's just driving home this idea of church unity, and the idea of you know unity being greater than your Christian liberty or your liberty in in Jesus, from a cultural perspective, that's something that oh man, you just don't hear people leaning into that very often. If anything, it's more division and, uh, you know, I, I get to do this because I follow Jesus, regardless of what you think and feel. Um, and just trying to point the finger back into that and say, man, we just culturally have that really, really backwards. Uh, and I think that if we were to try to right the ship in that area, we could see a lot of health within a lot of local churches. So, yeah, those are good. Yeah. So the quote that Brenda was mentioning, Tim Keller, wrote, the gospel is this, we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet, at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. And we use that somewhere in the series. I can't remember where, somewhere in the first few months, but it is a powerful, powerful thought. Yeah. Um, So yeah, I think Two, it'd be cool, obviously, if you're leading a group and you listen to this, have your people talk through this with you. Like, think through the parts that are, like, what do you remember? Um, There is, I think, the very last week of uh, Romans, there is a question that talks about, okay, hey, so we spent 43 weeks in Romans. What have you learned and what are you doing differently? Um, Because that's the other part. It's, It's not just remembering to remember for remembering sake, like we're taking a quiz, but hopefully it's spurring you to change and do something um, in your life. So um, definitely a good opportunity, I think, for our life groups to talk about it as well. Uh, So yeah, so a list that I just, after I read Jason's sermon, I was like, oh, there's some other things that I just remember. My brain works really weird though. So I, I, 
but one of them is, so, and I didn't even write it down, but my first one was this idea of uh, the gospel in comparison to Rome and what that is meaning and what that says and just how like that terminology was already used in their day. And so Paul hijacks it to talk about the new good news, but, but like that it's coming and then that he's obligated to preach this good news to his people. Like that he, he has to do it, which is incredible. Now when we're going to talk about this in the back end of acts, what he goes through and the links he goes through to preach the gospel to people. Right. So thinking all the way back in the beginning, they were obligated and he's eager. And then to hear that he literally has been to every place in that region. He's not, he's not just writing that, mm-hmm. like as something like that's a, a cute story. Like he really lived it out, mm-hmm. right? So I think that's an incredible thing just to remember of the sacrifice that he made and what saying you believe in this good news really is. Um, I know one of the ones we we kind of you had it in there a little bit. We didn't have time to really flesh it out. Is the the conversation of the law the works of the law um, and how much that played a part, especially for Jewish people, but really even for us, that we try to do certain things or live a certain way thinking that if we do just enough, that we'll be, we'll be saved. Right. I, I think the, the religiosity of us as Christians sometimes, well, if I go to church and I read my Bible and I do all of the things, then, you know, I'm good versus, uh, the other side is like, well, I'm just already good. I don't have to do anything because I'm a good person. So I think we really did a great job during that stretch of trying to get those of us who are Christians, even though we're Gentiles, to actually think we're probably more like the Jews in respect, right? For sure, yeah. Because um, we come, most of our people come from long line of believers. So it just got passed down and passed down. That's a way more like the Jews than the Gentiles. Which, and then he says, and that's good stuff. Like you've been given the word, you've yep. been given the promises, you've been given all of these things. You actually should use them and know the story and know the truth. Um, I think talking about Abraham is a really big deal. Um, there's a whole entire chapter. Uh, chapter four is all about Abraham and it's about faith and what actually is faith. And I thought we... And you did a great job spending so much time talking about it. The analogy of the uh, of doing the climbing and the little thing attached to you and mm-hmm. jumping off, and you're putting all of your faith in this little box, mm-hmm. and you know in your head that it works, but you still there's doubt, and that you try you grab the rope and you flayed your. You got to be careful with your <laughs> fingers, man. He's yeah. got a boo boo now on that finger, <laughs> man. But again, like faith, it's not that we don't know. You knew. Every part of you knows that that thing is going to work. You saw people before you get down, and they did just fine. But there is still a part of us that battles and wrestles to fully Mm -hmm. surrender. Ah, That was just such an important part of it. Because there are people who say they have faith in our that sit every day, yet we're not fully surrendered. We're not fully jumping off going, okay. I trust you. you. Got to step off the platform. Got to step off the platform. So again, and I think probably if you ask most people, the ones they remember, the ones attached to huge analogies and yeah. pictures, because that's how our brains work. Yeah, uh, for sure. Um, let's see what else did I write. Um, uh, the peace with God, not the peace of God, but the peace with the the peace with God. Yeah, that we are at war mm-hmm. with God. 
like that. In our sin. In our sin, I am actually at war. I am an enemy. I am an enemy of God. We don't talk like that in our culture. We're a friend of God. God loves us all. We're all loved by God. Mm. And there's a piece of that that, yeah, God's love is incredible. And he does love his creation, but we also are at war with him. And I actually am on the other side until I decide to cross the line. Mm. And how big a deal that is. Um, Again, another thing we talked about a lot. Uh, He talked about uh, chapter six, the whole idea of, okay, now you know, and you have your baptism, and now you have to fight to put sin to death or sin's putting you to death. That was a big the big thing we talked a lot about obedience, uh, talked a lot about sanctification during that piece. Um, it's not just enough to be baptized. You also then have to work out your salvation and you actually have to do things, which again is a struggle because we hear, well, I don't have to do anything. I'm good now. Yeah. And that's not the case because sin is still alive and around and active and it's still a part of us. So we have to, we have to kill sin or kill, Sin be killing you. That's right. What is that? The John John Newton. Yeah. So um, no. Again, just another one. I was thinking through um, number seven, that law piece, the old self. Uh, I, I do. I don't want to do, but I want to do it. But I do it. Um, that was the weekend that Grant uh, taught that weekend. Mm-hmm. Just remembering this idea of the battle of like I know what's right, but man, it's really hard to do that sometimes. Again, just that same idea. Um, but then he celebrates. Thanks be to God, right? Is that comment in chapter seven? Thanks be to God that I'm that I'm dead, that I'm no longer that person. Like my old self is actually, um, old self is actually gone. Uh, chapter eight, you chatted on the condemnation, which is you, the adoption by the Spirit. But I think chapter eight, we also talked a lot about um, suffering again. It came up, right? Chapter five and chapter eight are all about suffering. And then also just being led by the Spirit. Mm-hmm. Like, what does that actually look like? Uh, the part in chapter 8 that I'll, is what does it mean to actually uh, have the Spirit of God basically that, that confirm to you that you are a child of God? And the battle that we had within our sermon planning group and the honesty mm-hmm. that you shared, like, I don't know what this, like, it it's... It's subjective. Yeah. Like it's different for everybody. Yeah. And trying to put words to it and understanding, but still that we were able to do that. Obviously, the suffering piece with the rope. Um, heck, I've used that in like three other just conversations with people or yeah. <laughs> just having that talk because it is so good to get us to see that really our life is but a mere piece mm-hmm. of what the eternal glory is. Um, right, and that was such a uh, a big one. And then again, we talked a lot in uh, nine, uh, nine, ten, eleven. And so, uh, I think nine, ten, eleven for me was the word of God has it failed. Uh, God has done exactly what He said He would do, and He told the people of Israel that He would use them to bring about the Messiah, and the Messiah has come. And now all people are able to be a part of that, and it's by faith you are, and we're in. But let's not be too uh, conceited because we can be out. Yeah. And it's about me continuing in that faith. But also, too, in there, there's the confess that Jesus is Lord. What does that mean? Again, what does it mean to say Jesus is Lord in our culture today? Um, but also, uh, we're to go and we're to tell people mm-hmm. about Jesus. 
And we talked about that again today, or you talked about it Sunday, where are people supposed to go? What does that look like for you? For some, it's across the street. For some, it's around the world. Um, and so uh, that's what Paul really believed. And that was his heart, right? That anguish, too, is what we talked about, that literally he was willing to give up his salvation for his brothers and yeah. sisters. And that and I think weight, in that text, I'm sorry to cut you off there, no. in that text, that that tension between God's sovereignty and man's responsibility. Like that was the tension. We just, at some point we just, we can't resolve that. And I think too many of us, we want to try to get rid of one or the other. And I think 9, 10, and 11 just makes us sit in that tension and trust God is sovereign over all of that. Like, he, Oh, yeah, for okay, sure. He's going to do his plan. It's going to come true. And it, yeah, exactly. And the, yeah, again, that the word of God hasn't failed. Um so I actually had to a new um, appreciation, maybe, or a new uh, realization uh, for the people of Israel, hmm. right? Just uh, the the care in which Paul talked about it. Even that, you know, hey, that one text was it? It was in the back end of eleven. Like, what does it mean that Israel will be saved? Right? That new realization of again, really never thought through it, but coming to the place of like, ah, so he's doing something at the end. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what that looks like, right? So that was a you know, just personally a uh, turning point. I know you even spoke to that of, hey, I would have probably been in this camp yep. long ago. Uh, now just studying the word of God, I've changed, right? Yep. So I think that was a cool moment just of of seeing that. Um, uh, let's see. Again, we talked about the renewing your mind, uh, pursue the things that make for peace. Um, all in chapter 12, it's hate what is evil, cling to what is good. That's how he summarizes again, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Um, just that idea, um, and then for us is defining, helping define that, and Paul does that for us. And then all those imperatives are things that you're called to do. Like there are so many things. Like here's a list. Just start working on these. Mm-hmm. If you just did these, you would have more than enough to be a better follower of Jesus, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then I think ultimately the end of it, and we haven't gotten there yet, but it's the reminder again that our faith is visible and expressed through our obedience. Like it's not something that is just internal. It's something that I actually show by the way in which I live out the obedience that comes from the faith that I have in Jesus, which is the front and the back, right? So spoiler alert, probably going to talk about that again <laughs> in a couple of weeks. But again, we already said that. You, The very first sermon, you went from to the end yep. and said, this is the bookend. This is the bookend. This is a really big deal. And so those were the ones that I just thought of. Again, there's probably a lot more in there that stood out to other people. But again, he just talked about so much. Because you know faith you is so out? complex. What did I leave out? You didn't even talk anything about our jars. Oh, I mean, yeah, yeah. Out of yeah, Adam, Adam yeah. and into Jesus. Yeah. Like that was something we pulled back out is. over oh, and over. I was great. In the flesh. And and say, he, then we rebranded it to out of the flesh and into in the spirit. Yeah. spirit. Well, because yeah. Paul actually, you, yeah, a lot, uh, there was a ton of verses this week. So Paul has that saying in a lot of his writings in Christ. Yes. It's so big. Yes. It, it means so much more than I think we realize. Just go start reading through the epistles and look at how many times Paul talks about being in Christ. Christ, so visually seeing that, and again, I think we think more people are in it, yes, than probably really are, right? Yeah, yeah, the little face men. My boys <laughs> love those little little <laughs> little balls. They find them all over the place there for a while. They were hyped. I don't know where they went. I haven't seen them backstage in a while. Oh, yeah, I wonder. If there they is got rid so of them. much in Romans. It is deep waters. There's a reason we took forty weeks to work through it, and. 
part of what happened in our sermon planning was Josh comes with this list and I'm like, dude, I can't, you're essentially, you're asking me to re-preach the whole series into one sermon. I can't, I can't do that, but there's so much there and it's so good. And uh, my hope is that maybe you, we, we challenged you at the beginning of this series to just read the whole thing. I think it would be a really cool challenge to go back and reread the whole mm-hmm. thing now and to see how much more you can pick up, how much more it makes sense, how how much of a deeper appreciation you have for the gospel, according to Romans, uh, than you did when we started. I think part of it is we know there are some who I think probably have listened to all 40. Yeah. There are people who are really committed to our church. You know, we talk about statistically people go like 2.5 and really it's probably like 1.5 every month to coming to an attend a service. I, I do think there are people in our, in our church that it's, man, they are pretty committed to coming and gathering with the body of Christ. And so they've heard a lot, but there are a ton of people who've jumped in at all different points. You know, we had our newcomers class and we had yep. the, you know, five weeks in. Yep. So they're five weeks into, yeah. so they're in like the good stuff. Yes. They so you're talking about the weight bad. of the bad stuff. Yeah, you're, you're talking about the bad of one, and you're like, what? <laughs> I know he says bad stuff, but that wasn't to me. Right. Uh, you know, because we yeah. all had that. Like, remember yep. the part of Romans in the beginning was trying to convince people that this is actually us. Yep. It's not everybody out there. Um, It's actually us. And so, again, just a reminder if you have the opportunity, please go back and listen to all of these. For sure. Um, over the course of time. I think, too, we had the idea maybe last week to uh, open it up uh, as far as like the podcast questions. Hey, we'd love for you guys all to, to send in some of the most uh, impactful or some yeah. of the things that stood out the most for you. Again, this is some; these are some lists from us. Um, but we would just love to hear, hey, what are some of the things you learned? And I loved the idea, hey, not only what did you learn, but how are you living differently? You know, what yep. what habits have you changed or what sort of, um, you know, uh, you know, principles or practices have you added to your life to grow deeper in your discipleship and sanctification? So I think that we'll, we'll talk through some sort of method to be able to do that well and share that on Sunday probably. Yeah, we want to hear them. We want to hear your stories. What's God taught yep. you through the book of Romans? And through so, the podcast. Hey, what have you enjoyed? To, yeah, we yeah. want to read off some of your own testimonies yeah. so that everybody else who's listening to the podcast can be encouraged by what God's teaching you. So uh, we and, want your content uh, yeah. so that we can share it here. And so that everyone that doesn't listen to the podcast feels like they're uh, missing out on something. Because they are. They are, I know. That's they are, definitely. All right, well, hey, let's shift gears into uh, the last half of this text, which is really just Paul setting up his missionary journey. I know, Jason, you want to take a deep look into uh, where we see a lot of the details of that that missionary journey in uh, the book of Acts. So let's dive into that. So I mentioned on Sunday, I said, hey, do you want to know how the story ends? And <laughs> people kind of lean forward. And I said, well, you're going to have to listen to the podcast. Or I said, you could read the end of the book of Acts. So so Paul leaves Corinth and he makes his way back through Macedonia and Acacia, visiting a lot of the churches that he had visited before. So if you want to pick up the story, go back to, oh, essentially the end, uh, I'm sorry, the about chapter 20 is where he really kind of starts his journey 
back toward Jerusalem. And he kind of goes back through Greece and goes around visiting some of the churches in Berea and Thessalonica and Derby, And he goes and visits all of these churches. <laughs> There's this great story in Acts 20, if you haven't read it, it's so great, about this, about this kid named Eutychus. And Paul ends up uh, preaching there um, in Troas, I think is where this is happening. Yeah, in Troas. And so he's in Troas, and he's obviously, this is a church that he started that didn't even make the list. Like, we don't even have a letter to the church of Troas. But he's there, and he's preaching. He's not going to be there for very long. And the text says there were a lot of lamps in this upstairs room. And Paul, because he knew he was leaving the next day, he just keeps preaching all the way till midnight. And this poor kid is sitting in the window and falls asleep, falls out the window and dies. Like, I have people fall asleep in my sermons a lot. This kid fell out the yesterday. And I felt somebody fell asleep yesterday. A chair away from me, right, <laughs> right to my left. Poor gentleman falls straight asleep a, snoring. I had someone as well. That's fantastic. Uh, eight o'clock. Uh, when did I? No, I sat in at eleven. Yeah, eight o'clock. Uh, guys, you are hurting my ego. Afternoon so, nap. Yeah. So, woo, baby. So, Paul, this poor kid, Eutychus, falls out the window. Which, by the way, there's an old preacher joke. Why did the? Why is he named Eutychus? Because you'd cuss too if you fell out the window. <laughs> so I've never heard that. Oh my! Oh my! <laughs> that's oh. how you can remember you'd cuss too if you fell out the window. So he falls out and he dies. And then Paul goes down and throws his body on top of him and brings him back to life. <laughs> and I love the end of this. So <laughs> then it says, "This is at midnight." Verse eleven says, "Then he went upstairs again and broke bread and ate." After talking until daylight, he left. So he didn't stop. He raised somebody in the dead in the middle of the sermon and then just keeps going till daybreak. So he knew he was on a mission. He wasn't likely going to make it back to these places. So he wanted to pour into them as much as they can. So when we go four minutes over in a sermon, take a deep breath. Paul went like nine, 10, 12 hours in a sermon. Okay. Then he meets with the Ephesian elders and and they're all crying because, again, he knows he's not going to make it back to see these guys again. And they're weeping. Uh, as as Luke says, we had to tear ourselves away from them as he's heading off to Jerusalem. Finally, he gets, uh, he, he keeps traveling, and the Spirit sends some prophets to say, hey, look, you prayed for for." safety, but that's not going to look like what you think it looks like. And there's actually a prophecy there in verse in chapter 21 that says, where the Holy Spirit says, this guy named Agabus comes up and pulls his, takes Paul's belt and ties his hands and feet. Uh, for me, if you've ever been to the, um, the rodeo, the way they take those calves and they tie their all four legs together, that's the picture here of what they did to with Paul's belt, and it says, look, this is what's going to happen. You're going to get arrested. If you go to Jerusalem, they're going to bind you like this, and they're going to hand you over to the Gentiles. Don't go, Paul. And Paul says, I have to. Like, I have to. And so he ends up going to Jerusalem. He ends up getting arrested and beaten. 
and they're throwing him in prison. There's a riot that breaks out, and they're about to flog him. And Paul eventually says, hey, are you allowed to flog a Roman citizen? And they all back off because it was illegal to do that. And they didn't realize that Paul was a Roman citizen. He ends up getting arrested, and the Jews make all of these charges against him. And you can read through it. He goes before the Sanhedrin. He goes before Felix. He goes before Festus. He goes before uh, one other person. I can't even remember who. They end up, there's two plots where they're trying to kill him. So the Jews are trying to kill him. They're, they're, uh, his nephew saves the day and tells the Roman guards, hey, I know you're supposed to take Paul to the court tomorrow. And when you do, there's 40 men who are going to be in wait in ambush and they're going to jump him and kill him. Agrippa. Agrippa. There you go. Agrippa is the last one. They're going to kill him if you take him. And so they end up sneaking Paul out of the city in the middle of the night and taking him to Caesarea. And he ends up staying in jail in Caesarea for almost two years. And they don't know what to do with him. And finally, a new... uh, a new leader comes in and says, well, we're just going to send you back to trial in Rome. I'm sorry, in Jerusalem. And he's like, if you do that, they're going to kill me. So you don't have any right to do that. And then he appeals to Caesar. And this is where the fulfillment of God's promise comes true for Paul, that he ultimately gets sent on a boat to go to Caesar. And where does Caesar live? Rome. So he put on a boat, and he's headed to Rome for the very first time in his life. And so you may remember the story. They're on the seas, and uh, Paul's trying to tell them, hey, this is a bad time to travel. We shouldn't be doing this. They don't listen to him. And he gets a vision. The whole ship's going down. All of the people are going to end up in the water. But God says, hey, good news is they're, they're not going to die, but it's going to be bad. And they end up shipwrecking, and everybody's thrown overboard, and they end up on the island of Malta. And you may remember the story that they're trying to get firewood to dry off, and Paul gets bit by a snake, and all the... (laughs) I think he's... I think he's... God is punishing him that he escaped judgment from dying in the shipwreck. And then they're like, oh, wait a minute. He's not dying. Yeah. Hey, come heal us. That's right. (laughs) So the the islanders see this snake that bites him, like, oh... Well, rest in peace, dude. You got like 20 minutes. And Paul just shakes him off and goes on about his life. And and they're like, oh my goodness, this he must be a god. And so, yeah, it totally flipped at that point. But one of my favorite lines, <clears throat> so he ends up heading toward Rome. And and I just wanna I just wanna jump into this last piece real quick. So this is Acts chapter 28, and let's jump into verse 11. So they're on this island of Malta, and it says this. After three months, we put out to sea in a ship that had wintered on the island. It was an Alexandrian ship with the figurehead of twin gods, Castor and Pulmix. I love that Luke adds these kinds of details. Like, these were literal things that happened. You just wouldn't make that up, but he does. We put in at Syracuse and stayed there three days. From there, we set sail and arrived at Regrium. The next day, the south wind came up. Like, all of these details are so good. And the following day, we reached Peloti. There, we found some brothers and sisters who invited us to spend a week with them, and so we came to Rome. Now, check this out. The brothers and sisters there, speaking about the brothers and sisters at Rome, had heard that we were coming, 
and they traveled as far as the forum of uh, uh, Apias to the three taverns to meet us. That was like a two-day journey, by the way. The brothers and sisters in Rome heard that Paul was coming. And what did they do? These people that we've been thinking about in the church of Rome for 40 weeks, here, Paul's on his way. And they said, we got to go meet him. We're going to go out to where he is, and we're going to meet him and travel back with him. And that's what they did. At the sight of these people, the people we've been thinking about, the letter of the book of Romans was written to, at the sight of these people, Paul thanked God and was encouraged. When we got to Rome, Paul was allowed to live by himself with a soldier to guard him. Down to verse 30. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. So, Paul eventually does make it to Rome. It was a hard, long travel to get there, but he's there. And the people of Rome, the church there, go out and meet him. And they welcome and encourage and praise God together. And then he goes back to Rome, and he's sitting there waiting on to be put on trial for two years. And while he's there, he just preaches and preaches and preaches to anybody who would come over and over and over again. Now, that's where the book of Acts ends. And so we don't even get to hear the rest of the story of, of uh, did he get to Spain? Did he not get to Spain? There's some debate on that. I don't know. Maybe we can talk about that on the last one. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be a good a good topic for the last one. There's a little bit of uh, info, uh, extra biblical info yes. that would tell us maybe. So yeah. Cool. I love in the story, he's talking to Agrippa and he's sharing his story and he's talking about the scriptures and uh, uh, Festus goes, Paul, you're out of your mind. Too much learning has drove you crazy. And Paul's like, I'm not crazy. He goes, I'm talking to, Agri-. he looks at Agrippa and he goes, you know, you know the scriptures. And Agrippa looks at him and goes, are you trying to persuade me to become a Christian? Like it is this, it's in 26. Mm-hmm. And Paul's like, man, I'm just, I pray God is listening and I'm just going to tell you all of this stuff. But like that, he had his moment and his opportunities. And so when in Colossians, he says, pray for us. Pray that I may boldly proclaim when given the opportunities. Paul is in his opportunities, and he's and he's telling them. And he looks at the king of Agrippa and is like, hey, man, you know, you know the scriptures. You know what I'm saying is not a lie. <laughs> I can imagine this back and forth. And Agrippa's like, man, I'm not trying to believe in this, dude. I'm just trying to figure out what I'm going to do with you. Mm-hmm. And here you are trying to like, Preach the well, gospel let me at read me. it because I think it, you're right. It is so powerful. So Agrippa said to Paul, "Do you think in such a short time you can persuade me to become a Christian?" And Paul's response was, "Short time or long, I pray to God that not only you but all who are listening to me today may become what I am, except for these chains." Yeah, <laughs> like he's standing there in chains. Yeah, yeah. So I it just is love a powerful. Message is like Paul. You're crazy. You're crazy. That's what he says. He says, your great learning is driving you insane. And Paul's like, I'm not crazy, man. I, like, I believe in the gospel. Like, that, that's how eager and obligated I am. And so we really see it. And so for me, it's those, like you said, it's those things when you're reading the book of Acts um, that put the story of the first church together. And you hear and see what they did so that I could be a part of this, so that I could believe it took great sacrifice and willingness to be bold for the gospel. 
All right, such a powerful story. And so, man, if you haven't read the book of Acts 2, I would encourage you to do that as well. Man, read the story of Paul and Peter in the first church. Like, it's so rich that we. this is our history. Yeah. Like, when people say, what's your history? It's like, oh, this is my history. Yeah. This is where it all started for us and such really cool stuff. Yeah, maybe we have to bring bring that series back at some point one of these days. Let's go. <laughs> that was a long one. I could do Acts. That'd be fun. Yeah, it'd be, that'd be super fun. All right, guys, that's great. Yeah, no, I love that. Um, just kind of recap of that whole piece of the story that Paul alludes to uh, in the tale under Romans. Really excited. Um, what is it? Two more weeks? Two more weeks. Two more weeks. So we'll go, we'll go through Romans 16 over the course of the next two weeks to do Paul's farewells and just some of those really cool, uh, you know, stories represented in the names that he shares from both groups of people and really excited to dig into that. But I think that's enough for today. So thank you, guys. We'll talk again real soon. Well, all right. That is a wrap on episode 42 of the Gospel for Everyone podcast. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode today. As always, if you ever have any comments or questions from Sunday's message, we do encourage you to go to quadcity.church slash Romans, where you could submit your questions to be answered right here on the show. Well, we only have two more weeks left in this series, and like we mentioned earlier in the episode, we would love to hear some of the things that stood out to you. So please join us at quadcity.church slash Romans and just submit some of the, the points or topics that we talked about over the course of the last 42 weeks that were really impactful, some of the practices that you've added or subtracted from your life that have made you a better follower of Jesus, as we'd love to share in the encouragement that comes from those stories. Well, hey, we hope you have a great rest of your week and we'll see you again real soon.